coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I think my experience as a litigator makes me a better mediator because I can do um, a lot of kind of the reality testing and, you know, from the perspective of, you know, hey, I've heard this in court. Let's work through this. Let's think this through. You know, how does that logistically work? And so um, having that experience, I think, has really helped um, propel me and prepare me to really move into full-time mediation practice. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process. So listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello, and welcome to a special two-part episode with my friend and colleague, Kimberly Cook. Kim and I sat down recently to talk about her journey from being one of Chicago's leading divorce attorneys to now being one of the top divorce mediators here. Kim shares not only some of the background on why she made her career shift, but she also dropped so many fantastic do's and don'ts that are designed to help you successfully mediate your divorce that I didn't want to cut any of them out, so I made it a two-parter. So be sure to listen all the way through to the end of this episode and then come back on Thursday to hear part two. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today I am joined by one of my Chicago friends. Um, I'm joined by Kimberly Cook. Hi, Kimberly. It's so nice to see you. Hi, Susan. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm super excited about this today. I am, too. We have talked about this for couple, well, year and a half, at least yeah. since we first met, right? Yes. Yes, we have. And you know what? Time flies. I feel like we all missed a whole year. When I think about like last year, I often want to say 2019, but in fact, it is 2021. So yes, it has been, we've been chatting about this, but you know what? It's today's time. So it's great. Yeah. Well, and it's perfect. And you are, this is a topic I've wanted to cover for a while now. It's near and dear to my heart. And I know it is to yours as well. Um, I do want to give listeners a little background on you uh, because I think it's really relevant so that they'll understand the information that you're bringing and the experience that you bring to the table. Um, So I'm going to start with you and I met actually when you were speaking at an event with our friend Laura Wasser and the two of you were talking about, um, I think it was prenups and millennial marriages and a younger generation, but you were speaking because you were one of the leading partners in one of the top matrimonial law firms in Chicago, if not the country at that time. Um, And and I charged right up and introduced myself. (laughs) And I'm so glad you did. Yes, no, uh, it was. We were um, talking about prenups and, and postnups, but also, you know, those things that you should look out for when you're dating or really getting serious about someone. It was a great, fun conversation. And, you know, when I think back to that, I'm like, gosh, pre-COVID, we were all like in a very fun space in a room and, um, you know, 
very close together. And, <laughs> um, you know, what a difference a year and a half makes, right? Um, but yes, very much at the time I was um, a partner with a firm doing divorce litigation, which also um, involved prenups and postnups, which I'm still doing, but now I've transitioned into a different role as a mediator full time and have uh, moved from the firm into my own um, firm. And so it's been a great transition, um, but definitely um, a transition. Yeah. Well, that's to, to go from, I, I, for those people out there who are listening, you know, the, the culture and structure of a large law firm is, it's very hierarchical in some ways. I went through it myself, that transition. So, you know, you have the attorneys and they do certain jobs and then there are staff members who, and everybody has their role and there are a lot of people. Yes. who do things. And then suddenly you go off and you open your own office and who's doing everything? Oh my gosh. Yeah, me. So yes. And I will tell you, um, that has been the huge learning curve, right? It's not the actual substantive work. I have a lot of people say, oh, how's the transition going? And I'm thinking the work is fine because this is my sweet spot. This is my zone. However, you know, it's everything else. It's all the admin. So I'm the, you know, finance department. I am the marketing, marketing. department. Yeah. You know, I send out the bills. And and so, yes, that, that has been um, just really getting in a groove of being a business owner. Yes, definitely a transition. And with each day, I feel like I'm, you know, getting better. Um, but I am one of those people. I know enough to know what I don't. So I had to hire like an accountant, uh, you know, and I've got a tax person so that, you know, those things are taken care of. But otherwise, you know, the receptionist is me or my voicemail if I'm in the middle of a session. Right. <laughs> very different, very different. Yeah, but also very freeing yes. in, in some ways, right? Um, and Speaking of freeing, you took the opportunity when you left your firm, and this is the same journey I took. So I just, I, I love it. It warms my heart. You shifted from litigation to a mediation practice. You took that opportunity, and that's pretty much your entire practice now, mediation? It is. So I did. I practiced litigation for about 15 years um, and, you know, enjoyed litigating. It, it, it was something that I enjoyed the adrenaline. I enjoyed, you know, advocating on behalf of, of clients. And it was really um, one of those things that I look back and I think, you know, it was such a great ride. And I learned a lot about myself and certainly about families and people as a, as a divorce attorney litigator. But at some point, where I kind of started to transition, really, I'd say started about two or three years ago, where most of my kind of practice was really moving towards attorney-assisted mediation or kind of direct negotiation and settlement. And I think it, for me, it felt more of 
I'm growing in a different way. I think the practice area is growing in a different way. And this is such a great alternative for families that I needed to really kind of sink my teeth into and explore and delve into. And in a way that I think has allowed me to now fully transition as a mediator, um, dealing with, of course, financial and parenting matters, which has been great. And I think my experience as a litigator makes me a better mediator because I can do um, a lot of kind of the reality testing. And, you know, from the perspective of, you know, hey, I've heard this in court. Let's work through this. Let's think this through. You know, how does that logistically work? And so um, having that experience, I think, has really helped um, propel me and prepare me to really move into full-time mediation practice, which has been exciting. Yeah. And, and there's, it's a different world, but in so many ways it's, it's in, it feels more rewarding. I know when you can fully immerse yourself into that mediation practice. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting because the first, um, but the first month at the end of the month, I, you know, I was saying to a girlfriend, this may be the first time in, you know, my entire practice where I truly heard both sides of everybody's story, right? Because, you know, as an advocate and as a litigator, you know, I immerse myself in my client's position, in their story and what's going on so that I can build, you know, our strategy and represent them. And that isn't to say that um, at a hearing or in pleadings or filings that you don't get a glimpse of what the other person is kind of arguing that's a very different feel than, you know, really sitting in the neutral space and hearing someone's perspective as to why they want to keep the house or why this parenting schedule works better for them and and being able to kind of dig into, you know, what's really going on, what's driving this. And so it's certainly been um, rewarding for me to kind of walk away and think about, wow, now I get it. Now I understand, you know, how can we help kind of bridge this gap between the two of them? So yes, definitely uh, a, a very different feel. It's difficult, make no mistake, but, but um, you know, a, a different rewarding feeling, definitely. Yeah, I remember when I first was making that transition and I said to a colleague that I wanted to do mediation because it was going to be the kinder, gentler way to get divorced. (laughs) Right? So you're laughing. (laughs) You know I had no experience of mediation at that moment in time when I said that. But uh, not that it's knockdown, drag out, but these are difficult issues. And that's actually one of the reasons why we wanted to do this episode and talk about, we're going to be talking today about some of Kim's top do's and don'ts for mediation. Um, But before we go there, I did also want to ask one other question because you and I, when we talked about your transition and you were going to be opening your own firm, you commented that as a black woman, you felt it was important that you open a mediation business and that this was going to be something that was significant. Um, So I would just, I would love to hear more of that or have you tell more um, of that reasoning or that thought process to my listeners? Sure. You know, I I have always been one um, who felt that representation matters. And when you think about that in the context of the legal system, right, you know, and it's representation. So representation by, you know, an attorney or an advocate um, who's speaking on your behalf. 
It's so important to have different perspective, different voices, um, and really a truly a different understanding. And though that comes from diversity, right? And so I spent years, years as, you know, either the only Black female um, attorney at a large divorce firm. And it's not just certainly in Chicago. You know, I have colleagues around the country where, you know, someone will email and say, you know, do you know someone who is Asian or African-American or Hispanic? And I, you know, and I'm scrambling and I'm thinking I shouldn't be scrambling like this. And the same is true when you look at, you know, the dispute resolution world. And for me, when I would refer clients to mediators, I would often have a client come back and say, you know, I'm just not as comfortable. I I feel like there's something that's missing. Not that this person doesn't have the education or the experience, but the reality of it is when we're dealing with intimate issues, you on some level want to connect with someone without saying something. You want to feel like, okay, they get us. It's the same reason many women say, you know, I really only feel comfortable going to a female OBGYN. Or, you know, I prefer to have, you know, maybe a therapist who, um, you know, has has children if I'm dealing with, with parenting matters. It's not that someone else can't do it. It's there's a sense and a comfort level. And so for me, as a woman of color, specifically African-American, I found that there really was a void and, and that our voices weren't being heard and that people weren't, especially in the Black community, weren't utilizing mediation and alternative dispute resolution as an option because it didn't feel like it was inclusive for us. And so here I come in charging saying, nope, we're here. And, um, you know, and this is, this is, this is important. So, you know, thank you for, for um, bringing voice to that. Um, it's certainly though, I think a conversation, it's a larger conversation both in the family law realm, but also in dispute resolution realm, where we really have to um, make great strides when we talk about like diversity and inclusion, because certainly our clients um, are the ones who benefit in the long run. Yes, it's really important. Bravo to you. And I just have to tell you, you know, as a a member of leadership for the ABA's um, dispute resolution section, this is such a huge topic that we are trying to tackle because you are 100% correct. Minorities, if that's the correct even term for it, but there are just people of color, people from diff- who look yes. different are not included in the rosters, that's are right. not included in dispute resolution, you know, the, in the world. It's mostly older white men, Um, women like me, you know, like us. I mean, it's just, it's, it's not an inclusive world. It needs to be an inclusive world for all those reasons that you said. So I I just applaud you and thank you for putting voice to it because it's very important that we talk about it. Stay tuned for more from Susan and her guest, top divorce attorney and mediator, Kimberly Cook in part one of the critical do's and don'ts for mediating your divorce. I think it certainly takes um, a lot of work, right, to 
to say, okay, I'm willing to move here, but it also requires a level of self-awareness and self-reflection. So when you have a mediator who's saying, you know, what are you willing to give if this area is so important? Where are you willing to bend? Where are you? And to have someone ask you that and, and point blank say, well, where can you move? If you are enjoying this episode, check out Older billionaires can afford to get divorced, but can you? With leading divorce financial expert, Lily Vasiloff. So in these billionaire divorces where they have the luxury of the finances on the side, are we talking about the quality of their lives? Do they need to do something that they're not feeling fulfilled about doing at the moment? Now, gray divorce is not the same across demographics. It hits a lot of older couples much harder. And now we return to today's show. Thank you. And, and you know, I, I, would, I would also say that I think with um, family law in, in particular, we are just now, you know, what, in the last, what, maybe 10, 15 years kind of getting on the boat where it's a part of the overall dispute resolution community. Certainly, you know, when you think about large unions or when you think about contract disputes, when you think about school unions, they always go to mediation or arbitration and they have for years in, you know, Family law is now, I think, finally coming around the corner with mediation and collaborative and, and arbitration in some cases, um, which is which is fantastic because, as you and I both know, you know, it really allows families to get in the driver's seat, control the outcome, and you know, in my experience, really limit their return to court in future years, right? So, um, you know, having these knockdown, drag out, two-year litigated battles, you know, yes, people feel like, oh, well, the judge made the decision. Okay, great. And then you you turn around and you're back in court because, you know, something- Nobody likes it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Nobody likes it. No, I mean, that is definitely one of the big benefits of a mediated agreement that people don't realize, but that they are much more durable. They, They last. And that is because- you make the decisions, you and your spouse. You may not love them all. In fact, we might say you probably won't love them all. Right. right. But you picked them. You chose you them. them. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I, I think it certainly takes um, a lot of work, right, to to say, okay, I'm willing to move here. But it also requires a level of self-awareness and self-reflection. So when you have a mediator who's saying, you know, what are you willing to give if this area is so important? Where are you willing to bend? Where are you? And to have someone ask you that and, and point blank say, well, where can you move? Or, you know, what are you open to considering? I think it it takes someone a moment to really say, oh, you know what? You're right. I can't have it all. No one can have it all in any any realm. And so having that ability to say, you know, I can accept this for that and, and vice versa, in the long run, chances are you're more likely to stick to that agreement because you negotiated that in that way which I think is, is fantastic. It's, it's hard, but it's fantastic. 
Well, that and, and it is hard and it is fantastic. So that's why I love this topic for today, these do's and don'ts for yes. a successful mediation, because mediation, people sort of just think it's going to happen, right? And that, that it's, right? it's just like some magic poof or something. Yes. And it's not. There's work involved. And yes. these do's and don'ts to a large degree revolve around that work. But so let's dive in. Yeah. Do you, do you want to start with a do or a don't? I would say let's start with don't because I think that always gets people's attention. So we'll go with the don't. Okay. So don't number one. Don't assume you have to litigate right? Explore mediation. And I think that's so huge because it's an option. It's a viable option, right? And, and knowing that you have this option is, I think, the key to figuring out the best path for your family. So don't assume that you're going to litigate or that you have to litigate. Explore mediation as an option for your family, whether it's financial or parenting matters. That's such a such a great point because so many people have that knee-jerk response to hearing, yes. I want a divorce or I'm getting a divorce, is to run out and hire a litigation attorney. Um, but the other maybe don't to add to it, it strikes me as I was just thinking about it, is even if you're in litigation, don't assume you can't transition over to mediation. Oh, that absolutely. happens as well. All right? the time. All the time. That's, that's so right. It is, I think... The, the benefit of knowing, again, it's an option. I've had so many people who they've started out in litigation and have decided, ooh, this isn't for us or the pace and the process isn't going as what they expected. They transition to mediation and it works. On the flip side, I've had people who have started in the mediation process and we resolve, say, you know, four out of the five, and then they can't get over one hurdle or one hump, and they use litigation to finalize that. So you can certainly use them both as needed, and so keeping your options open, I think, is certainly very beneficial for everyone. Yeah, that's that's the beauty of mediation, really, right? Because it's it's it's. Uh, 100% by choice. Yes. It means you can choose it at any time. At any time. At any time. And it's confidential. And I say to participants all the time, what we do here, it stays here, right? This is truly it's like Vegas. Vegas, right? <laughs> Which is awesome because then you can kind of lay bare and get really creative and we can brainstorm, but without fear that next week you're going to have to defend why you agreed to, you know, five overnights, but now today you're saying two. It's, if this didn't work in this process, all bets are off and you, you're going to litigation and vice versa. The positions that you took in litigation are not positions here. This is not about positions. This is about problem solving. And so having the ability um, to use the mediation process to your benefit and in a way that will resolve issues, even if things started in litigation, I think, I think it's great. Yeah, I I, we, I encourage everyone out there, no matter what process you're using, if it's not mediation, consider mediation if you need to keep moving it forward. Yes, very much yeah. so. I would say to that though, when you're considering mediation, I would move to the do, right? Which is 
do you find the right mediator for you? Um, I think it's really important to do your research, interview. You know, the great thing right now is everybody is doing Zoom, right, and online. And so, you know, the chances of you being able to reach out to a mediator in your area and say, you know, I've got a couple of questions. Can we do a, you know, a consultation via Zoom? I'm sure people are really open and really moving in that space, but you're going to be addressing intimate issues. So it's so important to have a good rapport and a good feel, but then also understand their process. Some mediators want to book all day sessions where other mediators will say, listen, We can only do blocks of two, three, or four hours. Other mediators are more facilitative, and that's their process versus, say, evaluative. And so understanding process and understanding, you know, how am I going to work and feel in this with this individual makes all the difference. So certainly take the time to find the right mediator for your fit and for your issues, but also keep in mind Not every mediator is an attorney. You do have mediators who are mental health professionals. Um, You have mediators who are um, former judges. So exploring and understanding their background as well can, I think, really shape your decision in in working with a mediator. That's such a good point, too, about the fact that mediators come from different backgrounds um, because... I was just uh, doing a a course training mediators, and most of the mediators in the course were attorneys, but we had people from other professions. And one of the things that I was really suggesting they start considering is co-mediation. And I don't think people know it's available, but you, if you have uh, significant parenting issues or issues with your children, or if you have a very complicated financial structure um, or picture in your divorce, it could be really helpful to have a family, an attorney mediator who co-mediates with a professional mediator from one of those other backgrounds. Yes, yes, very, very true. I think, you know, understanding the issues and the complexity of the issues can certainly lend itself to co-mediators, especially when you're dealing with the sensitivity, whether it's, you know, specialized parenting matters, having a mental health professional or someone with that background to really kind of delve deep, which is going to be very different than, say, mediators who may have like a CPA or some sort of financial background. Um, But again, knowing the options that are available to you and knowing that mediation allows for just, you know, the use of, of a variety of options and alternatives for you, which is, which is exciting and, and to me fun at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. I actually, I love co-mediating. I think it's one of my favorite things to do. And I love that really one of mediation's hallmarks is what you were just talking about. It really can be crafted to suit what your family needs as you transition through the process. Yes. Yes, very much so. You know, there's this idea, I think, just, and it comes from litigation that everybody kind of follows a mold and it has to follow the same path. And mediation is very different from that, right? It is uniquely tailored to your family. So maybe we start with parenting issues in one family, maybe we do financial, or maybe, you know, somewhere in between, but every family has different issues and, you know, unique approaches. And so the great thing about mediation is that it's not cookie cutter approach because the outcome really 
is based on how you drive the outcome, but the process too is really kind of dictated by the participants and the mediator is really there to kind of help facilitate that. Okay, we're gonna break here for today, but never fear, you're going to hear more of Kim's great advice in the rest of the episode that will drop on Thursday morning. This truly is the episode you need to hear if you are mediating your divorce. So mark your calendar and tune in to hear the rest Thursday morning. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.